He wants to use you. You can make a difference in the earth, in your sphere of influence. Your intercessions can drill through that darkness. Your praise and your worship can drill through the darkness that is trying to keep heaven and earth separated. Mm -hmm. You can make a difference. God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out his spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring where we contend for that promised outpouring, we equip for that outpouring, so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. Philip and I are going to talk about something that's very, very important. And it's very important for you to realize how important you are in the whole grand scheme of things that God has planned and prepared He wrote a book about you before you were ever born. And it's important for you to understand that it only takes the obedience of one or the disobedience of one to make a difference. Welcome to the podcast today. We're so glad that you've joined us and we just love interacting with you. And we encourage you, if you haven't already done so, that you would go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and make sure that you're on our email list because you don't know if something comes up and we get thrown off of, say, YouTube or Facebook or something like that, we don't want to lose contact with you. So if you'll just stay on our on our on one of our email lists, then you'll be able to hear from us and we'll be able to uh, connect with you. And we would love to get feedback from you. Let us know where you're listening from. Let us know something that's on your heart. We've gotten some wonderful feedback lately of people who, whose lives have been changed by this podcast. And we're going to share some of that later in another podcast. But we, we just want to encourage you that this is something that we want to interact with you. We're we're not untouchable. We're not far, far away. Uh, you know, the, the internet makes it so easy for us to connect. And, and so wherever you're listening to us in the whole wide world, drop us a line. There's a, there's a feedback form on globaloutpouring.net, and there's also our email address, feedback at globaloutpouring.org. You can write to us on either one of those and let us know what's going on in your life. Let us know things that we can pray for. And we share those with the intercessors because we're contending for the outpouring. So we've got intercessors who know how to pray and we want to pray with you. So um, let us know something that you want us to bring a podcast about. Let us know a subject and we'll pray into it and see what the Holy Spirit gives us. And in the meantime, you can look at other things on our website that are out there to help you grow, to help equip you to be ready to minister in the outpouring that is upon us. It's already started, and you want to be ready to be used by God, right? Amen. Amen. So the subject today that the Lord put on my heart, and I've preached a message about this kind of a long time ago, but it just came up in my spirit again today. And it's about, it only takes one. And it only takes one to goof things up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like there's a tremendous picture in the Bible about the disobedience of one in the story of the fall of Jericho. Mm -hmm. Jericho in Joshua chapter six, 
God tells Joshua all of the things that they're supposed to do, and he makes it very clear in chapter 6 of Joshua, verse 18, he says, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. That's what it says in the King James. Um, Another way to say it would be the devoted things. And I think really what was in God's heart, I, I haven't seen it spelled out in scripture directly, but the principle of the first fruits belonging to God, I think is what we see here in the Battle of Jericho, because Jericho was the first city that they conquered when the children of Israel were coming into the promised land. And so you see the principle of first fruits that the first thing belongs to God. So this first whole city was to be dedicated and devoted to God, that they weren't to touch anything, they weren't to take any of the spoils. Now, after that, all of the other cities, they could take spoils, but not this one, but Achan. Achan saw something and he coveted it. He wanted it. He was greedy and he couldn't keep himself obedient. Mm. And so he took... What did he take? A couple of Babylonian garments, I guess. Where did he think they were going to wear them at? <laughs> I don't know, but he thought it must have been really, really beautiful. He took a Babylonian garment and silver and gold, and he hid them in his tent. That must have been a very wealthy place wherever he went into, Mm -hmm. you know. Sure. You know, because, you know, you read read about the walls of Jericho, Mm -hmm. you know, and we've been to Jericho a number of times, and the walls didn't fall down. Like we heard the walls came tumbling down because they found the walls. It's like the angel just pushed them down. Straight down. And the whole army, you know, because even Rahab and her family was in the wall. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, if the walls all came tumbling down, everybody would have died for sure. You know, <laughs> anybody that lived on the wall. <laughs> and maybe yeah. the section of wall Rahab and her family was in didn't go down all the way. I don't know, but but a lot of the walls are intact, and they say it's just like the walls went straight down, mm-hmm. pushed down. They didn't just fall over because that made it real easy for the army and the people just to. Just to come right across, you know. So what what does it say in your... Well, I've got an interesting note here in my Bible that I made at some point. Uh, Do you remember Roland Buck? Oh, yeah. The man Uh who talked talked with with angels? angels, yes. The angels told him that they pushed the walls straight down. Push it straight down. Which Uh is what the archaeology shows. The walls are there. They're intact. Wow. That's... uh, It's very interesting. That is amazing. And imagine what that did to the army. All of a sudden... (laughs) The walls are down, and here they're all coming in. Yeah. And what kind of weaponry did they have, the children of Israel? I don't know. They didn't have all the modern, you know, or the stuff of the day. I mean, they just came out of the wilderness with what was on their back. Well, they had already had a few battles. They had battled Uh Amalek, and they had battled uh, up on the Golan Heights. So they probably had gotten some kind of weapons from the enemy. Uh But, you know, God was fighting for them, so every battle they got into— they would have won, and mm-hmm. part of the spoils would have been weapons. Yeah, there's stories we won't know till we get to the other side of eternity. That's very true. <laughs> but what happened, because Achan took these things, and they were all forbidden to take anything, mm-hmm. when the next battle came along, the battle of Ai, or Ai, different people pronounce it different ways. and <laughs> Yeah, it's a bad... <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, what is that, the, the initials for artificial intelligence today, <laughs> and that's a battle, too. <laughs> yeah, there's some battles with AI now. Um, so anyway, they thought, okay, so this little town of I or AI 
it's just so small. We don't need to trouble everybody. Let's just take 3,000 men and go after them. And the people came out and the children of Israel, the soldiers of Israel fled before them. They turned tail and ran and 36 men died. Uh-huh. Well, that wasn't what they were expecting. And Joshua was beside himself. He said, oh, that, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he cried out to the Lord and he was weeping on his face. And the Lord said, get up. Yeah, get up, Joshua. There's sin in the camp. Go deal with the sin. And they found out that Achan was the one that had, had done this. So my whole point is this one man disobeyed God. Mm-hmm. And God said, Israel has sinned. He held the whole nation responsible for one man's sin. That's my point. Mm-hmm. The whole nation suffered. 36 men lost their lives. And it didn't look good for the soldiers. You know, Joshua was all worried that if our people have retreated, yeah. if they've run away from the enemy, the rest of the Canaanites are going to hear about it. And we're, we're sunk. Yeah. We're sunk. We're done. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a question. Yeah. So um, Achan sinned. But was it the sin that he just sinned what he did, or was it because he took of a cursed stuff into the camp? Ooh. See, there was a probably a that was you know, the, the that curse. was the sin. See, the the sin is the curse. Mm-hmm. The you sin know. the sin is that he was greedy and he stole something that belonged uh-huh. to God. And it's gold, and right? It's silver, it's gold, right? You know, but uh, but it belonged to God. He stole mm-hmm. something from God. Ooh, that's right, because because it belonged to it God. Belonged God. God said, "This is mine. Don't you touch it." Oh. Wow. Robbing God. And so I think that you could call it the cursed thing. It was cursed Mm -hmm. because it didn't belong to anybody but God. But I think we misunderstand it. Other translations say it was devoted to God. It belonged to him. That gives a whole better explanation. Yeah. Yeah. So the the point is, if we touch something that doesn't belong to us— I mean that's one of the that's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, not steal. steal. Uh-huh. Okay, Achan stole, but he didn't just steal anything. He stole something from God. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. But look at that; it's just laying there. That gold, you know, those gold pieces. Yeah. But if God said, "Don't do it," yeah, don't do it. Yeah. So and, the point is, I mean, he paid for it with his life, but not only he, his, but also his children. His children. Yeah. yeah, his family. It, it's assumed because God took the family as well. It's assumed that the family probably was in cahoots, that they saw him bring it into the tent because he didn't yeah. live by himself in the tent. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't fess up either. Mm-hmm. So it was a picture of what it does to you and what it does to your family when you disobey God. It's not only something that affects you, it affects your children. Remember what it says in uh, the Ten Commandments about idolatry in Exodus 20, verse 5. This is about the sin of idolatry. You know, God is telling the children of Israel not to make a graven image and not to worship it. Don't bow down to it. Don't bow down yourselves to them, to other gods, nor serve them, for I, Yehovah, your God, am a jealous God, visiting, catch this, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So Mm -hmm. one of the rules that God gave the children of Israel was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all Mm -hmm. your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's the number one. I mean, it's not a part of the Ten Commandments. But it is the one that Jesus said is the most important commandment of all. 
mm-hmm. it's part of the Shema. It's part of the... Hero Israel. Yeah, uh-huh. Hero Israel, the Lord, Lord your, your God, God, the is... Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord. It has his name, okay? Yehovah. You shall love Yehovah, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. If you bow yourself to other gods, if you're serving other gods, you're showing God you don't love him. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay? Uh-huh. And what happens when you turn away from God and worship something else, something happens. Sin gets into your DNA. Mm-hmm. Remember, the wages of sin is death. death. Okay? So death comes because of sin. Adam and Eve showed us that and started the whole ball rolling. And what happens is that it affects your DNA, and it affects the people around you, your family, okay? So I pondered this third and fourth generation for a long time, and then I felt like the Lord showed me that the people that are around you, you have an effect on your children. Mm-hmm. So you're one generation. Yeah. Then your children would be the second generation. Your grandchildren would be the third generation. Most folks see their grandchildren. And sometimes you get to see your great-grandchildren. great-grandchildren. Yeah. Okay. So I knew two out of eight great-grandparents. So I was affected by third and fourth generation. I knew my grandparents and I knew some of my great-grandparents. And so, you know, here we are and we have a child and we have grandchildren. And, you know, there's the potential that we'll have mm-hmm. great-grandchildren at some point. Yeah. So the stories that we tell, the lifestyle that we have, the way that we deal with our children and our grandchildren affects their lives. I mean, think about the stories that you know from your grandparents, right? You, you mm-hmm. know lots of stories from your grandparents, and that has affected your life. So yeah. th- I think this is where that third and fourth generation comes from. So if you're a big sinner, that's going to affect your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And as DNA goes, like an alcoholic, right? There's a tendency, tendency there. yeah. there's uh-huh. a tendency for the children to follow in the parents' footsteps. And the grandchildren, each generation has the opportunity to say yes or no to the sins of the fathers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're really responsible for your own sins, but the bent to sin mm-hmm. is available in your DNA from your parents or grandparents or great grandparents. You know, yeah. it's affecting those generations. So Aiken and his family, we don't know how many family members there were. We don't know if there were children and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. We don't know who all they were. But my point is that when we make a conscious choice to walk in sin and do things that we should not be doing. It doesn't just affect me. It doesn't just affect you, listener. It doesn't just affect you. It affects others around you. Hmm. So okay. you, you're making a choice that is affecting more than just you. Mm-hmm. So pay attention. You know, it's really important. Yeah, it's really important hearing the voice of the Lord. It reminds me of a story of a um, was a missionary that was in India, and he was scheduled to come home. And I think the Lord spoke to him, you know, your time is up, time to go. Yeah, I think he was even supposed to go home early. Yeah, and he stayed. I don't know if it was more invitations or something. He stayed, stayed, came back, and someone showed us a picture of him. And behind him, behind his head, a little ways back, was this demonic 
looking thing that followed him all the way from India. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he broke what God said, so he gave a legal right mm-hmm. to lose protection. Right. I mean, that may sound uh, like, well, I've never heard that before, but mm-hmm. but you're seeing it here right. for the children of Israel. It's not just New Testament we're in. I mean, the mm-hmm. New Testament fulfills the old. Right. I mean, God's protection was here on Israel as long as they obeyed. Right. I mean, when you go through Chronicles, you know, First and Second Kings and Chronicles, and you look at the story of all the kings, and I have a Thompson Chain Bible, and in the back, it has a graph, mm-hmm. you know, up and down, up and down. Whenever you had a good king, you know, Josiah, Asa, you know, things prospered and did well. And then when you got a bad king, like Manasseh, or, mm-hmm. you know, and all of a sudden, it go down. Right. And it was, uh, was Israel went into captivity first, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. The 10 Northern tribes. They had like uh, three bad kings in a row. They only four. had bad kings. Only had bad kings. They never had they any never good, had a good king. <laughs> Not one. Oh, my. <laughs> Remember the first Ahab. one? Ahab. <laughs> the first one brought the golden calf. Yeah, okay. Okay. It put two golden calves, one in the north, one in the south, so nobody has any reason to go Rehoboam, to Jerusalem. Wasn't it? Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Yeah. Jeroboam. Okay. Yeah. So right from the get-go, they're idolatrous. Mm-hmm. And they were the first ones to go into captivity. Right. Wow. Right. From idolatry. But God would always give a space to repent. Oh, yeah. It was hundreds of years. Yeah. It wasn't like God slammed them immediately. It was yeah. it, every generation has an opportunity to obey. Yeah. It's like the Lord God, he's slow to anger. You yes. know, I can't quote right where that is off the top of my head. but mm-hmm. uh, He's slow he, to anger. He's slow to anger. But he's very he, patient. Very patient, you know. Long-suffering. But when his time is up mm-hmm. with you, it's up. Yes, yes. You know? He gives you chance after chance after chance. And that's why I think one of the reasons why we get kind of, I don't know that upset is the right word, but we bewildered maybe at mm-hmm. why it's taking God so long to judge sin. It, but it's yeah. because he's giving chance after chance mm-hmm. after opportunity after opportunity. You know, how many people do you know that are running from God and they've gotten into uh, car accidents or situations where they've gotten really, really deathly ill and somehow they recover or somehow their life is spared? It's because God keeps giving them a chance because he wants them to come to him. It's the mercy of God. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And he's not willing that any should perish, but Mm -hmm. that all should come to the knowledge of Christ. So we really want to see people get saved, and yeah. that's why we intercede for them. Remember mm-hmm. what Dean Braxton said, it's almost impossible for someone to go to hell if someone is praying for them. Wow. So it's, it's important that we pray for people who, you know, we might even think, that one is so sinful. Yeah. God, get them. Just take them to hell. You know, I mean, you <laughs> might just you might just get that offended sometimes, yeah. uh-huh. but that's not our Father's heart. Yeah. He wants us to be interceding for them and praying for them because it's the obedience of one that mm-hmm. turns things around because of the disobedience of one. I mean, look at Romans 5, verse 17. What does it say in the Passion? I think maybe even more than 17. What, what was that one that you were reading earlier? Romans 5. Oh, it's at true. least 17. Yeah, it was 17. Okay. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life? 
enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness and the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. I like how the King James puts it. It says, for if by one man's offense, and we know that one man is Adam, and Adam and Eve together are one. Remember, when you're married, you're one. So, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus' obedience canceled out the disobedience. Yeah. So obedience transforms the world in amazing ways as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's just look at one individual people that have made a difference in the world by their obedience. So we know that uh, God spoke to Noah to build an ark because mm-hmm. he was getting ready to destroy the world because of the terrible disobedience that was going on. And horrific. It was just horrific. Kind of like what's going on today, but well, with, yeah. without the technology. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know what technology they had. Uh-huh. Some of this technology comes straight from the pit. So <laughs> I think we've got some of that kind of technology going on too. So anyway, Noah was obedient. Mm-hmm. God said, build an ark. And Noah built the ark. In other words, Noah had a walk with God. Yeah. And his walk with God caused him to obey. You know, I just heard a story recently of somebody we know. She heard an audible voice to put something away that would be dangerous. Hide it. Hide this thing. Hmm. And she didn't understand why, but she had heard the voice of God enough that she knew to obey. And she did what the voice told her to do with that thing. And then this person attacked her. Hmm. (laughs) And if she hadn't put that thing away, she might not be alive now. But she obeyed because she heard the voice. It saved her life. And so... How did it save her life? Because the person couldn't find that thing that she had put away. Oh, okay. That he would have used. He would have used... Oh, okay. He would have used it on her. Okay, he knew it was there. He knew there was okay. something somewhere, and he wasn't able to find it. Wow. Uh-huh. Because she had obeyed the voice of the Lord. So my point is, listen to the voice of the Lord. Your walk with God can save your life. Your intimacy with God can save your life and save the life of others. Noah heard, build an ark. And mm-hmm. he built an ark. It took him a while. Yeah. He and his years. sons. Maybe they hired the local guys to do it, and they preached to him, and the local guys went, ha, 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 but you're paying us, so I guess we'll do it. Yeah. I mean, it may have been that way. We I mean, don't the know. the crazy man's given us money to do yeah. this, so. Yeah, what a nut. Yeah. <laughs> what a nut case. Till. <laughs> so, you know, the obedience of one saved the human race. The righteousness, yeah. Yeah. Noah's obedience, God brought the animals saved not only mankind, because every single human being, everybody with a belly button is related to Noah through one Mm -hmm. of his sons and maybe more than one of his sons. (laughs) Yeah. Okay? Uh And all of the animals that are on the planet now are on the planet because God brought those kinds of animals to the ark. They came in the ark. Noah took care of them. And we have animals today because Mm -hmm. of the obedience of one. Yeah. Okay, now let's look at Abraham. 
Abraham, God told him, get up out of your country from your father's house to a land that I will show you. He gets there and God promises this land to him and his descendants. Mm -hmm. And one thing after another thing after another thing, God tells him what to do and he does it. He does it, yeah. He did some other things that God didn't tell him to do and that got him (laughs) in trouble and we're still having trouble because of it. But because... Abraham was God's friend. Again, Mm -hmm. Abraham's walking with God. He's obeying God. And his obedience is creating a nation, Mm -hmm. actually creating many nations. God said, you're going to be the father Father of many many nations. nations. So there's lots of nations that are the result of Abraham's obedience. Mm -hmm. So he obeyed. And here's another one. Take your son, your only son that you love, and take him up to the mountains of Moriah and do what I tell you. So that created the opportunity on earth as it is in heaven because of Abraham's obedience to be willing to sacrifice his son, expecting resurrection Mm -hmm. in that very same place on Mount Moriah is where our father was able to sacrifice his own son and resurrect him. I just think that's so Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. But it was because of obedience, and obedience because of a walk with God, a love walk with God. A love walk. A love walk. Mm -hmm. Okay? So now let's look at Moses. Here's one man, very special man, special from the moment he was born. Okay? They could see that he was a very special child, and they hid him, even though Pharaoh had ordered all the babies to be thrown in the Nile. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the crocodiles, crocodiles had a feast. Nile crocodile, yeah. Yeah, they had a feast. And so yeah. Jochebed, Moses' mother, did what she was told. She put him in the river, but she put him in a basket. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him as her own. And, you know, I won't take time for the whole story. It's a very, very long story. It's in the book. Go and read the book of Exodus. It's an amazing story. But Moses was selected by God, and he went through a whole lot of stuff to learn obedience, Mm -hmm. but he obeyed when God said, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, he had some excuses, and, you know, (laughs) he he had to overcome his fear of going back to Egypt. Yeah. That wasn't well, an easy thing, you know. Mm-hmm. He he was a wanted man. Yeah. But he he obeyed. And God used him in a powerful way to save an entire nation. So, the obedience of one. This is an amazing thing, the obedience of one. Then we have the intercession of one. So Moses was an intercessor when the children of Israel immediately after they get the Ten Commandments, and the one commandment that at the very beginning is mm-hmm. no, have no gods before me, yeah. and they get impatient. Moses is up there in Mount Sinai with this fire, and who knows if he's been burnt to a crisp. Come on, Aaron, make us some gods make so that we can, <laughs> we can live by these things. And yeah. so Aaron... His, his excuse was he just threw the gold, threw the gold into in the, the fire. fire. Out came this calf. Yeah, yeah. all by itself. Right, yeah, sure. right, yeah. So Moses interceded mm-hmm. for the children of Israel. Yeah. And the intercession of one, because of his walk, mm-hmm. he had a walk with God that he could say, but Father, this isn't going to look good for you if you kill everybody like you want to kill. You, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was angry. 
the wrath of God is ready to be poured out on these people that broke the covenant just days yeah. after they said, oh, yes, oh, yes, we will do exactly what you say. Mm-hmm. After they saw everything, all the miracles of Egypt to get yeah. them out. Yeah, all that stuff they saw. That just shows how deep embedded sin is. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone turns their life to Jesus, there's times you get instant deliverance. Right. Yeah, you know, but there's other times there's things you have to, it's just like you're cleansed of your sins, but your walk, mm-hmm. it's going to take a while to stay above all that stuff that uh, used to pull you down. You have to unlearn some things. You have to unlearn stuff. Yeah. It's like it was my rock records. I had to destroy them all you mm-hmm. know, instead of saving them and selling them. Right. So they were not in my position anymore. I destroyed them. Yes. Yeah. And it was like a cut, clean cut. Yes. You know. And there are things that the Lord will show you to do yeah. in obedience. If you'll obey, it might be very difficult, but it will be worth it all. And it can save your family and it can save your nation. Uh, it can save all the nations. It yeah. can save people groups. Mm-hmm. Your obedience, your walk with the Lord, you, Mm -hmm. you, one person can make a difference. That's the whole point here. Yeah, I don't know right where the scripture is, but what comes in me, it's where if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Exactly. If you're willing and obedient. And if you look, uh, take your time, it's Deuteronomy 28, Mm -hmm. I believe, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The blessings and cursings. Right. We're not going there, but you read... Through, we'll we'll do another podcast. I think that would be an excellent yes thing to do. Let's you know, do that on, on Deuteronomy. Yes. So we'll let you know when that happens. Okay. <laughs> so think about Daniel. Daniel was another intercessor. The children of Israel had gone into the land. They had taken over the land of Canaan immediately as soon as Joshua died, and that generation died. They fell into idolatry with their neighbors because they didn't obey the Lord who had told them to wipe out all the neighbors, Mm -hmm. deal with these people, wipe them out because they came from the seed that Noah had cursed. You remember the curse that Noah put on because Ham had walked in on him when he was naked and drunken and fallen asleep in his drunkenness Mm -hmm. and something happened. And he woke up and found out what his younger son had done, and he cursed Canaan. Yeah, cursed be Canaan. Right. So the children of Canaan had inhabited this land that God wanted to give to the descendants of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And if you'll notice, it was somehow in that family line that there were still giants. Remember, David had to deal with Goliath, who was a giant. And Mm -hmm. I've been meditating on this recently, and I don't have any scripture to back it up, but I have a theory, okay? Mm -hmm. This is just my theory. Don't build a doctrine on it, but I have a theory that in Ham's wife, there must have been some seed of the Nephilim in her family line. Mm -hmm. And when you look at ancestry, you'll find that even among siblings, there will be different genes that come from different ancestors. Yeah. Like the German gene might show up in one and the Native American might show up in another and and not show up in all of the children, even though they're children of the same parents, you know, Mm -hmm. because each parent gives 
one chromosome and each parent has two chromosomes from their parents. Yeah. Uh -huh. So my father's gene might come out in one child and my mother's gene might come out in another child. You know, all these different possibilities of combinations. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there must have been Nephilim seed that came through Ham's wife that came into Canaan, mm, okay. that it was expressed in Canaan and it didn't go into the other children necessarily, but it went into Canaan. And that's why Noah's mouth spoke that word from the Lord that Canaan would be cursed because this Nephilim seed, this seed that God was trying to destroy in the flood had survived mm -hmm. in the line of Canaan. Yeah. So that's just a theory because here's these giants already in the land. So I'm thinking that's how it happened. Don't build a doctrine on it, but I think that's what <laughs> I think that's what happened. So anyway, the children of Israel took over the land of Canaan. They were supposed to follow these instructions that God gave them, the Ten Commandments and the other commandments that God gave to Moses in the Torah. They were supposed to follow them. They didn't. Hundreds of years later, mm -hmm. hundreds of years later, like from Saul until the carrying away of captivity was over 400 years. Yeah. Okay, uh -huh. so it wasn't a fast coming of the wrath of God. He was very patient. But there came a time. Mm -hmm. And according to Jeremiah, the prophecy of Jeremiah, they were going to be in Babylon for 70, 70 years. years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when Daniel realized that 70 years had come, he got on his knees and he began to intercede. He pled for the children of Israel. He asked for God to forgive them. He confessed their sins and, and he fasted. Fasted 21 days. Yeah. yeah. And so he was an intercessor. Mm -hmm. And God uses intercessors. And there's intercessors now that are making a difference. And you think of the lion's den. Oh, yeah. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Mm-hmm. He had an angel of the Lord there. Right. He had protection. Right. Because of his walk. Because of his walk. His walk of obedience with God. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about obeying on the outside. It's obeying on the inside. Because yeah. before I got saved, and mm -hmm. there were times, you know, I lived in Chicago's southwest suburbs at the time, and I was going to go visit some friends up on the north side of the city. Mm -hmm. And this happened more than once. I was going to get into the car. I thought, you know, if I die out there on the highway in a wreck, I know where I'm going. And I didn't go. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that was God protecting me. Because mm -hmm. he knew there was a plan for my life that I had no idea about. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in my vision. Right. But it was in his. Right. Yeah. But you really knew deep down <laughs> what the right thing was. Yeah. You had just been going the wrong way. I mean, I was a good, I, you know, I didn't do drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Right. But I was backslidden. Exactly. You know, and so if you're backslidden, you know, it's you know, like a little sin. It's a big sin, you know, exactly. if you don't, don't know it. That's true. That's very true. Daniel was an intercessor. Mm -hmm. And his intercession broke through the bondage that kept the children of Israel in Babylon. Mm -hmm. His intercession broke through the bondage that kept yeah. Israel in Babylon. And so we see that Paul was an intercessor in the New Testament. And I'm thinking about a couple of intercessors in more recent times. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. In the 1800s, Charles Finney was an amazing evangelist. Yeah. 
And he has these fiery looking eyes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the portrait of him is uh, like, almost scary. A, scary? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's looking right through you. <laughs> right, right. And God had prepared him as an evangelist. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until he teamed up with a man they called Father Nash. Now, he was father like as in daddy, not as in a Catholic priest. Uh, but he was an intercessor. And yeah. Charles Finney stayed in his home at one time. And Charles Finney woke up in the night and he found that Father Nash was up and praying. Mm -hmm. And Father Nash told him, well, I just take a nap every night. (laughs) (laughs) And then I get up and I pray. I spend time with God. And this man became Charles Finney's intercessor. intercessor. And he would go to places before Charles Finney got there. Mm -hmm. And he would intercede and he would deal with the strongholds in the spirit, and he would pray through. And when he prayed through, he would send for Charles Finney. And as soon as Charles Finney got within miles Miles. of the city. Holy Spirit was working. Holy Spirit was working, and people were coming under conviction already before he even got there. Mm -hmm. The presence of God was there. And we need more intercessors, Mm -hmm. beloved. We need more intercessors. Maybe you're called to be an evangelist, but maybe you're called to be an intercessor. Whatever it is that God has called you to be, it's time for you to take up what God has planned for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, another one was Reese Howells. Reese Howells, more, yes. Even more recently in the time of World War II. Yeah, the Bible School of Wales. Yes. And it was a day-by-day thing. Mm-hmm. If you read his book, uh, Reese Howells, Intercessor, it's a powerful book Yes. on his walk and where he got yes. to where he is. But he talks about the war. It was a day-by-day thing for the whole Bible school. You yes. Know, they would fast that day or they would have classes or they would pray. And it was uh, amazing. And the Holy Spirit would give him things to pray, and Hitler would do them, and it would backfire on him. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing strategy. Yeah, yeah. Amazing strategy. God had them pray strategies, and uh-huh. they would find out on the radio or the newspaper in the next day or two that what they had prayed was what took place on the battlefield. Yeah. And God gave victory after victory. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing just being obedience to God. Mm-hmm. Especially in days like today, you know, where there's so much to distract you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's easy to get distracted. I mean, you can you can get a post on your phone, on a Facebook post or something. Oh, yeah, so-and-so has a birthday today. You know, and you, you wish him happy birthday, then you school, and all of a sudden, you're caught. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's not a bad thing. But if it's robbing your time for something mm-hmm. else. You're supposed to be doing something I mean, else. You're supposed to be. I mean, if you do have a thing that gives you birthdays, okay. You'll see it when it comes up. But if you keep surfing the Facebook, you're going to find stuff that you want to read and hear. Mm-hmm. And an hour later, maybe you're. Oops. Oops. You know. I should have done that in the meantime. Yeah. Obedience. God is looking for obedience. Mm-hmm. He's looking for those who are going to walk in love with him. That we love him and put our face in his book yeah. <laughs> rather than Facebook. And it's something like, you know, that's kind of been a challenge to me too. It's um, you know, it's like you can be sitting, you're waiting on somebody or this or that, you know, just get on your phone and da, 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 you know, pull up, uh, we have like blue letter Bible mm-hmm. and you can just pull up the Bible in an app and read, you know, mm-hmm. read, just read the Bible. That's what um, Smith Wigglesworth did. Oh, yeah. Very frequently. Every 20 minutes he was in the Word. Wow. 
And that's what began to give him his power in being in the word. And he prayed in tongues a lot. Mm-hmm. So, oh, awesome. you know, it's about your walk with our father, mm-hmm. your walk with him, your obedience to him, learning obedience and learning to do things the way he wants it done, listening to his voice and obeying obedience. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that's beautiful is that God has given each and every one of us our own calling, our Mm -hmm. own election, our own purpose in the earth. And I love what it says in uh, Psalm 139 and verse 16. King James says it this way, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Other translation, here's New International. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What does it say in the Passion, Philip? Start a little earlier. Start with verse 13. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside of my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You have informed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I've ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Beautiful. Beautiful. And then the Hebrew of that expression, before I became me, it could be translated as an embryo. Oh, Isn't wow. that amazing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. And now you can see it. In a microscope. Microscope, yeah. And then soon you'll see it on a, what's the scan? Ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. You can see it in an ultrasound now. It's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. But the point is that you were formed specifically by our Father, using various parts of your ancestry from your parents. You were not a mistake. You were not an accident. You were created by our Heavenly Father in conjunction with your parents, working together to make you. And maybe you have had a rough go of it. Maybe you had parents that were abusive or absentee father or a harsh father or mother, or perhaps you've had wonderful parents. The point is that our Father has a path for you. He laid out all of your days, wrote them in his book, so that when the time came for you to be on the earth, everything was prepared ahead of time so that all things would work together for good for you because he wanted you to love him. He wanted you to walk with him. He wanted you to have relationship with him so that your obedience would make a difference in the world right here, right now. You have a sphere of influence that no one else has. You are surrounded by people in a different way, even from your siblings, even from your parents, even from your offspring. You alone have that path, that assignment, that thing that God has called you to do. I remember one time 
I thought I was going to volunteer to God for something that I thought that I could do. And I said, I know how to do that. I've got a burden for that. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, there are plenty of things that you are capable of doing that I've not called you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I stopped my volunteering to do that thing because it wasn't what God had called me to do. Focus. Stay focused on what mm-hmm. he called you to do. And Dean Braxton sent me a thing today, and I think we can maybe put a, a link to it in the show notes. It's just a little short or a reel or whatever you call it, that a man is preaching and he's talking about, I am on my path with God. Mm-hmm. And I'm not jealous of anybody else, because if I was jealous of somebody else, it would be saying to God, I don't value what you made me to be. Oh, wow. Isn't that powerful? That'll keep you focused. Yeah, stay focused on what he made you to be, because he made somebody else to be something else. Mm -hmm. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Mm -hmm. He made you, you. That's very good. And he made you to be in fellowship with him. Mm -hmm. in communication with him. He made you to cooperate with him in the Spirit, and that's why it's so important for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be speaking in tongues, like we talked about in episode 194 that we did not too awfully long ago. So go back to that one if you didn't hear it about the importance of praying in tongues and how God wants to use you He wants to use you. You can make a difference in the earth, in your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. Your intercessions can drill through that darkness. Your praise and your worship can drill through the darkness that is trying to keep heaven and earth separated. Mm -hmm. You can make a difference. And your worship and your intercession and your walk with God will impact the people around you. It will impact the society around you. You can change your neighborhood. You can change your family. You can change your city. You can change your nation and the world by your obedience to the Holy Spirit, by letting him work through you. Yes, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.